welcome everyone to Uncorked with Holly and Gina. We're excited you've joined us for a conversation to unleash your inner badassery and uncork your magic. This is the no bullshit, all truth, nothing but fun podcast. And don't worry, we've got you for our VIP. Hello everyone. Welcome to Uncorked with Holly and Gina. And guess what, Gina? I know. I know. We have a magical soul in the uncorked house. Exactly. And we have been waiting yes, for this conversation for, well, just enough time. Just enough <laughs> just time. We're not time. putting any more judgment on time, but <laughs> no just judgment. in time. I love that, Gina. Yeah. We're reforming. We're, we're reforming. We're learning every day. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Straight from the UK, we have Helen Grace McGregor. She's an intuitive author, soul mentor, and facilitator on a mission mm-hmm. to gently empower creative, soulful women. Yeah, huh? We'll see if Ooh, we live in that I know. category. Hope we, to live a I life that lights them up. Well, this lights us up, Gina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her being here lights yeah, us up. For sure. So that together we have a brighter, more creative world. She's a curious, creative, and courage catalyst. Ooh. Ooh. I love that. I am. Um, and you know, I think courage is one of the things that is under um, appreciated and under sold. Mm, sold. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not that we're selling anything to you. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, honestly, True. right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know she's going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. She's the author of The Magical Unfolding, and she's now editing, I think she finished editing, and we're going to talk about it yep. The Midlife Awakening, her next book, which she's combining her knowledge and experiences into a body of work to help us get get what matters done. Gina, Ooh. We could get more stuff done. Yeah. Got to figure out what matters though and first. She, I know. Well, that's we should talk about that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think she can help us there. <laughs> she is a guide. So, she's also recently discovered that she has been living with ADHD mm-hmm. for her life and we're going to talk about how that's impacted wow. her. Yeah. And she is definitely a soul sister in the house, Gina. She is. All right. Welcome, Helen Grace McGregor, to Uncorked. Hi, Helen. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you know when you hear an intro and you're like, wow, she sounds really cool. I don't know who she is. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's you it is you Yay. my dear yes welcome welcome thank I you love so it. much for having me i'm really i'm thrilled to be here oh we're thank thrilled to have here. you um so typically helen we start our podcast with um an opportunity for you to share with our audience a little bit more about you like kind of those core tenets of who you are the things that really define you that i think will help kind of ground our conversation today before we uh, get into all the goodness that you have created in the world. Thank you. So let's just start by saying, since I discovered I have ADHD, I am going to fully own the fact that I may well answer questions in an extremely circuitous route that takes us all over the place. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> I'll do my best to maybe stick Listen, to some if, sort if of... Listen, <laughs> if there is a person who wanders in the woods, it's I Miss Holly. I love to go circuitous. I can't go like straight. She winds around, and she gets there eventually, but she winds around. So listen, you're in good company. Yes. yes. I adore that. There is a reason yeah. I have this kind a spiral you can't really see oh, it but i, I have like that. a spiral oh, on, my, gorgeous. on my it arm it is gorgeous um, everybody go to youtube and actually see her beautiful tattoo her it beautiful is gorgeous tattoo. it's really hard I to show yeah you, oh it's so kind of oh it's oh, yeah, perfect gor- unfold oh. your magic oh <gasps> see she is a magical soul uh-huh. gene, and we love magic we uncork it mm-hmm. all right okay and you've got it on your arm i love that yeah, maybe we should do yeah so um i I essentially have been on a spiraling, winding, uh, somewhat crazy journey through life. Um, And I've worn a lot of hats and um, they stem from being, I guess I've kind of come full circle in a way. I started off as a 
very cheerful, very smiley, very open, very intuitive child who could sense and feel and see all kinds of things. And then somewhere along the way, the sparkle kind of got, you know, taken out quite early, actually, early mm. teens. By early teens, I was already um, numbing against the pain of feeling and seeing too much and not actually now looking back I'm like okay I really wasn't seen heard or understood and I acted up big time also of course I now know I was probably seeking dopamine so um, I kind of disconnected from myself and I followed I went I went through a period of time I call the wilderness years because I sort of lost a few years doing not great things um, and then a friend of mine died quite young <clears throat> my voice always goes when i talk about her um and i had it was like the first time i heard a voice in my head and the voice said would you feel cheated if you died tomorrow mm. and that was the moment the first moment at which i started to probably a lot more proactively take charge of my life i've been kind of self-supporting since the age of 18 um mm. and I I started my journey into taking charge of my life by following my head rather mm. than my heart mm. um, because all I ever really wanted to do was write, help people on write. And what I actually ended up doing was training. Um, I actually started out as a nurse student and then that wasn't working for me because I used to get told off for speaking to patients. It was all, it was much more about cleaning and paperwork and not very right. soul satisfying um and so i trained as a radiographer did a three-year degree in radiography kind of knew i halfway through that i hated it um plowed on anyway it's like i'll get a science degree it will be fine um yeah. and in an effort to make it fit i then specialized and did another two years training um in ultrasound and um because I was very much trying to make myself fit into something that was completely right. misaligned, I just ended up completely burning out, breaking, and and then really starting to tune into what I wanted to do. And honestly, it's been this ever-winding breadcrumb trail ever since. And it my first kind of foray back from that head-led place back towards doing something a lot more soul-led, a lot more intuitive, was I started to train in Shiatsu, um, which was another three years. I, there's a theme here. Oh I love learning goodness. and studying and yeah. endlessly curious yeah. about the human condition. Um, and so then I had this interesting parallel, like I'd, I knew a lot about Western medicine. I'd worked in trauma quite a lot. And then I got to actually start my self-employed career in sort of a more Eastern medicine based mm. way. And I was working with all of my former colleagues and I kind of became, you know, the Shiatsu practitioner in my area for the service sector people. So like doctors, nurses, uh, radiographers, police, teachers. Um, and I've spent years helping people shift from their head to their heart and from kind of chaos to calm. And um, and then eventually, long story short, having trained in quite a few more things and realised I wanted to help more people than I could work with one to one. I ended up writing the book that, you know, I'd wanted to write a book since I was about eight years old. I am a writer in my core like mm. I live and breathe words I adore words I always have mm. done and so I'm kind of now in a place where uh, we, we may get into over the conversation a lot has changed and shifted in my life in all like I, I, all the cards up in the air let's start again mm. sort of right. thing um, right. and now I really get to kind of enter the third chapter if you like where yeah. I am choosing very consciously to put all of my faith in writing front and center and let everything else unfold and emerge from there so oh, that's gosh. where i am a bit about me i love that so how long did you actually exist in the before shiatsu the medical profession before how long i mean it sounds like you went to school you didn't give up how how long did you stay in that yeah. space yeah, it's a good question. And it feels like it was a really long time. And actually, yeah. it wasn't. Um, I 
think it was probably about eight years. I mean, it is a fair amount of time. That's a long Interestingly, time. Interestingly, in Chinese time. medicine, they talk about eight year, seven, eight year cycles. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I knew it wasn't right, but I just kept trying to make it fit. Right. But we all do that. We I all mean, do like, it. Absolutely. I have said that from the very beginning. I went into accounting, all right? Mm. I'm the least likely accountant on the planet. Okay, and can I do math? I guess I can. But yeah. but um, I, I socialize myself into doing it yeah. well, okay? It doesn't come natural to me. But I forced myself to do that. And I was, it's soul-sucking. It is. Even if I work with the most delightful people on the planet, I think that that's what kept me going for quite a while. And of course, the money. Um, but we do make those choices. And then, I don't know, in my midlife, I woke up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had the wild awakening. In so, a major way. Yeah, yeah so you somewhere. probably are going to talk about that too and help people. But I, you know, if we have audience members who are younger, that you. Yeah. If it's not working, I mean, I don't care how many years you yep. studied for it. There's a reason why you studied for it. And, and maybe even you can talk to that, that you pulled. In fact, you did sort of talk to it. You pulled things from Western medicine mm-hmm. to help you with your Eastern medicine. And that that having that in your toolbox yeah. with the other, the East and West, is so important yeah. and so I think maybe the point is that for people who are listening is never second guess yourself I used to make myself wrong like oh I like this and then I like that and then I like that and it's so yeah Gemini like yeah. you yeah. know you don't finish anything yeah. and I would get yelled at for not finishing anything and yelled at that I you I, know had no follow-through and I have follow-through now but like I do jump from topic to topic to topic and I think if you're built that way and you like that there should be no shame in yeah. doing that yeah that's what you should do you're designed to do that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 so I love that part of the story so how did you how did you find out that you were living with ADHD yeah that's a great question and um <laughs> Look, it's been a it's been a really rapid journey. So I am not, by any shape of the uh, stretch of the imagination, going to pretend that I'm an expert. I'm really yeah. in it at the moment. I'm really in it, learning it and and remembering things and you know coming to realizations about it. And what happened was like I've known that I am probably neurodiverse for quite a long time. Um, I am incredibly dyspraxic, so I've spent my entire life falling over and bashing into things and being covered in bruises mm. and, you know, don't inherently know my lefts and rights, which was fun as a radiographer and a sonographer, scanning, spinning 20-week-old babies and trying to work out the heart connections. <laughs> no wonder I had a migraine every day. My brain was literally going, oh, and no, it it's so moved. Hard. What do we do? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I get it. So yeah, so you know, I kind like a lot of people. I've I've known that I don't fit into the traditional boxes, um, and I don't quite. I don't know. Like I've spent a lot of my life feeling, just feeling like I'm falling short and um, mm. apologizing. Always feeling like I've upset people. Like all kinds of traits that I now know are very much associated with ADHD and. Um, I ended up having completely had a life shift and starting again at 50. I ended up getting my first employed role for, well, 20 odd years since I'd come out of the NHS, National Health Service in the UK, Mm -hmm. um, because I was starting again in a new place and didn't really Mm -hmm. know anybody. So I got this job at, a women's centre, give them a shout out. My, they're called My Sister's House. They support women mm-hmm. in challenging circumstances. Usually the majority are people who've been in abusive relationships. Um, I, I started my adult life out in that position and actually had to escape, and mm-hmm. which I wrote about in the first book. Um, and so, you know, I have a lot of 
innate understanding mm. and a lot of passion for gently empowering women. And I knew that this was a good way to do it, but also a good way to meet people and and use the strengths I had because mm -hmm. I ended up being a frontline key worker and I was very much in that chaos to calm space again. And, you know, mm -hmm. oh, space like holder, chaos listening to, to people. Um, and so slowly but surely I got to know some of the women and I ended up coming out of the employed role and then going self-employed for the same organization to facilitate groups and I created courses and ran this peer group called the Magical Mindset Peer Group which was pretty cool don't quite know how I got away with that but I did um, I love and, it. Um, you know like more and more these women were coming and they were starting to trust and starting to feel safe and they started sharing some of the um different things they were struggling with and one by one they were talking about ADHD and I remember thinking well, you're, you're not ADHD <laughs> because yeah. my picture of ADHD like a lot mm -hmm. of people until they learn about it is the classic kind of um you know child running around boy boy running around like yes. a right. like a a loon if you like like <laughs> actually my little brother was like that um mm -hmm. as a kid he was always on the go completely they actually said it was hyperactive i don't even know if the label adhd existed then mm -hmm. um and because i'm curious and i like holding space and asking people questions you know i suspended my thoughts and just got them slowly to start sharing what what they were struggling with and how could i best support them and how could i make the group feel safe mm -hmm. and inclusive and all of that kind of stuff um, and they just started describing what essentially was my brain. And, um, you know, you're sort of sitting there like holding space, mask is on, game face is right. on, so they cannot right. see tumultuous penny dropping moments that are happening in my being where I'm listening yeah. and just going, oh right. my goodness. Um, and so I started to research it. I had a conversation with my sister, who was like one of my closest friends. She's younger than me. She said, um, funny thing, Helen, I, I didn't I didn't really want to tell anyone about this, but I'm actually waiting for a diagnosis myself on the NHS. Oh, and I oh. and again, you know, just through the process of she supported me a lot actually. She gave me lots of resources things yeah. to look at places to take online tests and um they are like the first tests i've done in my life where i've got 100 percent pretty much without any effort just like, <laughs> 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 i'm rocking this adhd Yay! business <laughs> i am really good at this adhd thing yeah <laughs> oh, oh my gosh i'm my wow. 14 like um yeah and then you know i just i i'll be completely honest you know i I am a really honest person. I do not have a lot of money at the moment. I'm not rolling in it. And I don't, I just didn't care. I was like, I cannot yeah. wait the three or four years it will take me to get, a, you know, a, a national health diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I've already waited 52 years. I, yeah. I know that the diagnosis isn't the end all and be all. But for me, no. it just felt yeah. like I needed, once I'd cottoned onto this, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I could, I, right. I just needed to know that I wasn't being, completely delusional even though i really knew that it would be a, a confirmation um so i found i kind of realized in july that it might be a thing and then i got diagnosed in november so at the time of recording this um i am five weeks into wow. that diagnosis wow so, so what has that meant for you as you've been kind of re replaying your history and your past, like yeah. what has that meant for you in terms of knowing this information and your history? What has it taught you about yourself or, or maybe your history that would be important for our audience to hear? Mm. That I love that question. It's such a good question because I think that's the thing I feel most passionate about, even though it's yeah. really early on in the journey for me. Yeah. Um, because for me, firstly, having given myself, I think this is also important to speak to, I gave myself a good two weeks to shut the doors. Mm. You know, I showed up and did what I needed to do. I have a part-time job for a charity here. 
I still showed up and did that job two days a week. Um, but other than that, I'm like, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm in my yeah. cave. I just gave myself two weeks to really be with the feelings, which mm. initially yeah. were a lot of grief and a lot of pain. And yeah. thankfully, having been a body worker for years and, you know, also I am a trained Koya teacher and yoga teacher. So I've learned the hard way that you have to sit with the feelings. You have to, and then yeah. you have to kind of move them through your body. So I did that initially. And I think because I let myself do that, what quickly followed was huge compassion for mm-hmm. little Helen. Um, huge love, huge compassion, huge mm-hmm. understanding. Um, and, you know, it feels to me as if, well, number one, everything I've written about and believed in and helped other people with and facilitated over the years has yeah. been the stuff that I needed for myself, which we all know, for, but yeah. don't often get so tangible and a lesson. Yeah and I have um and and number two it's been it's been so freeing it's given me Mm. permission to be me and you don't really of course you know you if you can if you can research ADHD people you come across channels and podcasts there's so much information and support out there you will hear people time and time again talking about masking and a lot of people say what I've also experienced to be true which is that you actually don't realize how much you mask and how much energy you use to do that and since um since this diagnosis all of this five weeks that i've had with it so far i mean i've just completely stripped the masks off they are gone i don't care anymore if i go about houses to explain something well you know i'm like i i just don't apologize for just being me anymore and i'm not bending myself i'm not I'm not acquiescing, you know, I'm not subjugating. I am, I am just 100% me. And I thought I was that Mm. before, but I really wasn't, which is, you know, I'm laughing about it because it's the only way, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yes. Wow. I did such a class act. I fooled even myself. Wow. Well, I think it's a part of, I, I love it. I think it's a part of learning about ourselves as we go i'm continually learning too and we were at at a conference Mm -hmm. and we had our enneagrams done and we were looking at the enneagram and i was like wait a minute am i envious like like we had to have this whole conversation Mm -hmm. like who am i Mm -hmm. and i feel like we're still figuring that we're in the middle of figuring that out and you're not alone in that area and and We talked ahead uh, earlier before we started, excuse me, started hitting record and ADHD, ADD, um, there's a lot of treasures there. Mm. And uh, when you were talking about masking, I was like, okay, masking, okay, did, you know, because my, my, one of my children has ADD, I think, you know, Nikon, he was on one of our podcasts, go back and listen. And what I saw was because, and he wasn't diagnosed either when he was young, and what I saw was he developed superpowers Mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. And so you have superpowers. I'm gonna say, I don't know you, and we just met and we're happy to know you now, but like, you know, you are, and very resilient you are a creative that's the other thing my yep. son's super very creative, creative. Yeah. and it's like you and and when we want to talk about how the intuition whether that's kind of you're intuitive and you've taken all these superpowers to help all these amazing women and you're continuing to do that yeah. I, it's amazing i i love i love the story and yeah. i just think that we are the stories continuing to unfold it'll be mm-hmm. fascinating to talk in a year from now what happens well and it is <laughs> i i you know I, it's good i think about like when you are no longer masking who you are and you're fully embracing um you and those superpowers yeah. i yeah. completely agree I, I think i think um People with ADHD, their mind is extremely sharp and very mm-hmm. creative and phenomenal with words. So it doesn't surprise me that 
writing is your love and words have always, you've obviously always had an affinity for words and you know, your website is just a beautiful representation mm -hmm. of that, it truly is. So I, it'll be interesting to see once you step, now that you've stepped into that, how, how you change and how you be, how, how much Helen are we gonna get? Like how much more <laughs> Helen are we gonna get, right? So I don't know, it's just, I, it's exciting to, I think it's, it's exciting. exciting. It's exciting it's to like think about It's like a new beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is, and it's, do you know what? It's, it's not often in life, is it, that you get to have a complete do-over and, yeah. um, I have had that in spades, actually, because, um, you know, the big life change that I, I, I kind of, the book, the, the second book is not, um, it's not necessarily autobiographical in the sense that there isn't a trail that talks about this. It's more sharing downloaded words, actually, downloaded words mm. that will support people through that process of, of, of the midlife crisis that I call an awakening um but one of the things that I touch upon in it is that my long marriage ended really unexpectedly and um and of course I was devastated it's taken me a good three years to to oh, yeah. get my head around that even that the ADHD diagnosis has given me permission to be okay with the fact it's taken me so long because now I know that a lot of people with ADHD have rejection sensitivity dysmorphia yeah. which basically means you know that we physically feel the pain of being rejected which I was mm -hmm. and um, logically I knew that we weren't happy but that yeah. doesn't matter like my emotions yeah. they, it's taken me yeah. such a long time to step up but, but at the same time I had that sense of once I'd got over the initial shock, because it did kind of literally knock me to my knees, you know, sobbing wreck on the floor for a few days. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was only a few months before I started to think, hey, you know, actually, I get to reinvent now. There's I get to do that thing, and yeah. and it's been really tough and really hard. But the you know, I've then got this ADHD diagnosis as well. At, at, you know over the age of not not much over the age of 50 but over the yeah. age of 50 <laughs> yes. so i've been given a a double <laughs> invitation for a do-over i mean right it's pretty cool uh, and it's it's i i feel bad in a way saying that because one of my friends kind of came out to me with having adhd because i do feel a bit like i've come out with it um yeah. and you know bless him he's a psychologist he's a really successful coach he does some incredible work he holds men's groups like he's an amazing oh, wow. soul but he is struggling big time you know he is really struggling and for him it's a curse and okay. and so i recognize that for some people their truth in this moment is that it's a curse and yeah. i you know take nothing away from anyone's experience but for me yeah it's I am leaning into it and I'm I'm very much embracing it as I, f I feel like there's a space of huge possibility. My hashtag for next year is permission to play because it's like, oh, great. Now I'm like, OK, great. My brain loves dopamine. So therefore, I I'm not saying yes to anything anymore that I'm not excited about, because what's the point? My brain hates it. So why even bother? So oh, I like... love that. Well, we, we have some rules we live by. And one of them is, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yeah, it's a hell <laughs> no. So it, it, only do the hell yeses, Helen. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, I, mm. it's so interesting. I just want to pull back for a moment and comment on the curse part because, you know, he'll, he has his journey. Everybody has it. But if you're a parent and you have children with it, please don't think like that. Mm. It's actually a gift. Yeah. And, you know, um, but it's easy in the, our school system for it to not look like a gift because these children show up slightly differently. And, you know, there's the, the stereotypical bouncing around, but then there's the one, yeah. like my son, that, doesn't mm -mm. get lit up he's the add version of the and they they've blanketed all yeah. together now but it doesn't show up the same for everybody right. but it is it may not look like a gift at the time but it is a gift yeah. and that's why i'm like i'm excited to see 
what happens with you and 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 really your friend will be interesting to see how that progresses and how he is able to integrate that and help people more once you know we 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 suffer when we resist what is Mm -hmm. and we don't have to be a title of that either but you know like that suffering is something that we self-impose so i love the fact that it's playtime mm-hmm. and that, you know, you are honoring your brain, mm-hmm. honoring it and doing what it loves. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, when mm-hmm. did you find your intuition back? How did you, you yeah. lost it in your early teens? How did you come home? I'm assuming you came home to that intuition now. Yeah. Um. I mean, my first return to that was that voice saying, would you feel cheated if you died tomorrow? Um, I don't know. Like, I I knew that voice had come from somewhere and I knew I I had to follow it. And I, I don't know that I was doing it consciously at that stage, but I definitely did start... I mean, I, I... I started to hear the messages and hear and feel the feelings in my body that were telling me mm. intuitively whether a course was right or wrong. It, it, it was just on delay, you know. So like I said, I still ended up to going down the road of doing this degree. Right. And it took a year and a half before the intuition kicked in and I heard it and I still ploughed on. So it was it did kick in. Um, I think, you know, I started to listen to it more actually when I started to... Um, bring back daily writing and daily journaling and mm. then particularly when I really formalized that practice and I um I, I recognized that I am a writer in my core and when I write I feel right and so I began a morning mm. pages practice having mm. had the pleasure of seeing Julia Cameron twice oh, yeah. at workshops with Hay House and she's the most phenomenal irreverent hilarious self-deprecating just incredible feisty woman i adore her and honestly i think i would have done morning pages anyway just because she said do them and i thought she was amazing you know <laughs> yes um, but, you know, for me the in, i get intuitive I, it comes through in felt senses mm-hmm. but it also i'm an emotional generator in human design so i feel mm-hmm. it in my body and in, in my sacrum but also in my my heart I like I, mm-hmm. I feel it most of places actually um and then it comes through really strongly in writing so I I will I will channel when I write in the mornings and I know it's my intuition speaking to me because I will then read it back and I you know some of my programs have come from that process of allowing my intuition to speak right. and I read these things back and I'm like wow I've just created an entire framework you know, like that's how book one came about. I needed a linear way to explain a really non-linear process that I've yeah, seen right. women go through over the years I'd worked with them and that I'd been through as well. And right. I was like, you, you know, how, where, what, how can I even begin? And and it just came through. And um, hmm. I don't know if that answers the question. I think it probably yeah. does. No, yeah, but it does. I feel like oh, I veered off on a tangent somewhere there. I, I love that. We'll um, put in the show notes for people Julia Cameron's book as well. Yeah. Um, I did the yeah, morning 100%. pages too. I'm not a morning girl, but that was it was yeah. an interesting yeah. time for me. So whether you think you're creative or intuitive or not, uh, that gets to the heart uh, and you have to commit, what was it, for three months or something? First yeah, thing in the and morning she, and... um, one of the things I love is that she said she never does it without having a coffee first. So oh, cool. I love that. Thing, like, <laughs> exactly. That was the game changer for me. She's I, like, yes, exactly. I don't know whether so I got a coffee. Maybe permission for I coffee. Strictly, yes. I think I strictly just got up, sat down. And, you know, at and that wrote. time I was working long hours. I'd four o'clock in the morning. I'd be writing my three minimum of three pages and it's interesting so i'm just going to tell the audience too that you will figure out your state of mind very quickly when you do these morning pages because if you are complaining yep every time you get up or complaining about your job you know that that is an indicator of 
something that probably is not in alignment. Yes. And so, uh, so can you talk about that? You do you help people figure out what's in alignment? Do you have any advice for figuring that out? I do. And again, I recognize that different modalities resonate with different people. So I am a huge believer that there is, you know, this clearly, you know, but a lot of people will still say their thing is the thing no it's not it's the thing for a certain amount of people so i say that as a disclaimer and i recognize that the people who come to me tend to be the people who need to they need a helping hand to get out of their heads and into their bodies really Mm. and i recognized that as a body worker i used to do shiatsu and craniosacral therapy and um that was a really tangible way of having Mm -hmm. people's feel their way back into their body um and and then it became through movement so so for me i i guess because this has been my journey i i recognize that my biggest strengths to help the women that are drawn to my energy and the way i do things tend to be those that they're missing the embodiment piece. Um, and also then it's it's about settling your nervous system. That's been, you know, I've talked about mm-hmm. chaos to calm because I recognize that's been a theme throughout my whole life. Even as a yeah. trauma radiographer, I helped people in, you know, in resource to be calm. That was just what mm-hmm. I did. I didn't know it till I looked back, but that's sure. what I did. And so it's kind of, for me, the route to working out what you want and stepping into alignment just accessing your own inner knowing and learning to trust that you can't you know you can't work it out with your head and and the western world and the way it's shaped has us all living like disembodied people who just are ahead yeah walking around on a body that we have we're not connected to at all and um (laughs) And so, you know, for me, it's the route is through yep. embodiment 100%. And, you know, and stillness as well. I teach people how to meditate in, in probably a very non, uh, <laughs> non-purist meditation way, <laughs> which I now understand is because I've got ADHD. Actually, yep. I yeah. have a very different take on it that's very permission-rich and very small and simple mm. and should-free and... Um, yeah so body it's it's a body thing and pressing pause finding ways to um you know stop the spinning again now that i know i have adhd i understand why that's important for me because my head yeah. is never quiet and it's it's like a constant right. spinning yeah but i've had to learn to be able to at times step away from step back from the busy head yes Boy, we've done a few podcasts on this topic. I literally- Embodiment. Yeah. I feel like for a number of years, I have, like, I have a head floating without, it was like there was zero connection. Um, And really had to go to work on that. Um, Well, we had a guest that tried to put it back together. She's like, I'm so distracted that I need to help you. Are you, you know, and it was beautiful. It was was such a beautiful gift. She was amazing. But that's why I was smiling when you were talking because Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so Gina was like, I have a floating head. And I was like, am I in, where am I? Okay. How do you know you have a floating head? Mm -hmm. And so since, since the women that are, you know, I, I agree with you. The women that are coming to you for help need this. How do you know if your head is floating? How do you know if you're in your body or not? Is there like a, is there a one-two punch on that mm-hmm. that we could we could talk about? I wish I had a really <laughs> definitive answer for you. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Honestly. Yeah. It has been my experience over the years of putting my hands on people and teaching people in yoga that people will not know until someone either holds space for them in a way where they put their hands on their system and guide them into breathing into their hands on their back. There'll be an internal shift. um, Yeah. And then they'll know because the thing is, 
the act of asking yourself if you are or not will put you in your head and that's the irony of it um <laughs> i mean there are some there are some ways like if you feel like you're constantly efforting and shooting and pushing and and you know shoving and I, I I use words that aren't even English, even as a writer. Logicizing. Everybody seems to know what that I means. Logicizing. Oh, you rebrand everything. I, <laughs> I love, love it. This, this is so good. I've just this is right up our uncorked yes, alley. Yeah, I, I have a few words that I make up. Um, but people know what I mean when I say that. Like, yes. If you're trying yeah. to figure it out in your head, then you know you are probably very much in your head. You know, if you. So there are other ways. If you feel exhausted because you're never breathing mm -hmm. properly then you know that you're probably not really in your body. If you feel scatty, if you feel spinny, even though as an ADHD person, you might feel spinny anyway. So, you know, mm -hmm. slight yeah. disclaimer there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if you constantly feel like you're, you're not present for your loved ones and you're missing things because you're just not in the here and the now, you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're in, I call it regret, regret street you're in rumination alley or you're in regret street you know you're not you're not here in this moment you're not you're not observing the magic of life <clears throat> you know you're not feeling the joy um but it's it is like a, it's a combination of things i i really really wish there was a simple way yeah, to no, know it's really hard. and i guess if i did have that i wouldn't have spent that's <laughs> two decades working with this stuff and constantly evolving how I'm working right. to try yeah. and make it simpler, to try and make it easier. Yeah. But the fact is when you are not embodied, you're you're leaving behind 95% of your energy and your life force and your leaking power. Um, and it's only going to go one way and that's towards mm -hmm. burnout, as we all know. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's so a mic drop moment right there. It really is. It's interesting <clears throat> because I feel like we need to normalize the fact that we need more than just a medical doctor or a mm -hmm. therapist because therapy doesn't all get you in your body necessar necessarily. Not all therapy not talk all. therapy right. doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, but we need a more and normalize a more holistic, holistic approach yeah. to get in our body to have higher coaches practitioners i know we'll talk about some of your sessions that you hold mm. um and make that normal yep. like that's a normal thing that you should check in and do and yep. for your mental for your health wellness for your vitality you know and uh i th i think we need to normalize Absolutely. that i love that you're talking about this because i feel like you know way back when it would be like we're not going to hire somebody like that to do you know and now it's like you need to be hiring mm -hmm. a group of people that mm -hmm. can help you progress through life because oftentimes we can't see it mm -mm. ourselves like very you were true. saying very you true. know and to those around you that can see it yeah and unless you have an experience yeah. to shift it and then you're like well how like how you, you know did, how, yeah how, how do i yes. yes but you knew like some intuitive people know but like it's it's one of those things that is super important, but we don't talk about it very often. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, it is rare that somebody knows because how do you, if, if it's your default, if it's your normal, yeah. how do you you've know? You've got nothing to measure it against, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So how are you gonna mm -hmm. know? And in a way that's good because if anyone's listening to this and really beating themselves up about the fact that they might be disembodied and you know they're not they are living more in their heads well again love and compassion because it's not your fault it's how we're trained no. we are we are yeah, head-led yeah. from the time we go to school and um conditioned yeah. we're taught to seek knowledge from outside us and all of that stuff and we just do become disconnected unless we're mm -hmm. somebody who has a, a, you know an embodiment um passion you know like somebody who yeah. goes and trains as a gymnast or you know ha mm -hmm. has some sort of passion that is very body body led and they are the mm -hmm. most right. juicy gorgeous souls to watch move aren't they through the world yes oh, they are so yeah. embodied it's just awesome to, to to witness people who are really really yeah. 
Um, I would also say that it is a work in progress. So don't for one minute think I'm sitting here going, yeah, I've got it really sorted. And I'm in my yeah. body all the time because yeah. of course I'm not. I, I have to take myself back every single day. I have to mm -hmm. remember. Yeah, I, I was going to say myself. it's not a it's not a one, one and done one and done thing. <laughs> no, it's you have to practice being there because well, because life everything. takes you out, mm -hmm. like bumps you out and gets stressor will bump you out. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it can yeah. not necessarily, yeah. but, but it can. Yeah. So it's it's Working. normal being human to get in our head and out of our body, I guess yeah, it's absolutely. normal. So that the, the practice that you, mm -hmm. you were speaking of is being conscious of that and getting and having a practice of getting back in your body right. and or having, you know, regular sessions to mm -hmm. help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the, you know, if I, if I was going to share something that is probably the simplest thing to access in terms of helping people get back in their body, honestly, it is follow the joy, it's follow what lights you up. Because if you, if you have a five minute movement practice that's putting on a song you adore and dancing around your kitchen, uh, I have quite a few clients who tell me they dance around in their pants because that's what I've told them I do. Um, <laughs> not so much this time of year, but you know, in the, when it's warmer, um, yeah. because it, it gets you in your heart, you're in your joy and then yep. you're in your body because your heart's in your body. So actually we can make it really simple. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It, it, yes. And it's just, it's, um, it's just, it's being mindful about it and really like for me, it's um, breathing's a big deal. Um, That's yeah, it, huge. I mean, my first tattoo says breathe. Like it's been a big deal for me for a long time. So if I can just take ten minutes, five minutes, two minutes, whatever I have, and just quiet my mind and breathe, and put my hand like on my body somewhere and like feel it, like. Yeah. It's, it's not the hard things. It's just you have to be intentional about it. Um, or, you know, certain people are, I think, more wired to, to stay in your head. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially yeah. us spinny-headed ADHD mm -hmm. people. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So with your book, your book is coming out probably in 2023, The Midlife oh, Awakening. Yeah. I have second a publication book. date I can share with you, actually. Oh, do share. When? Because I know that you spoke to uh, the lovely Nicola Humber, who mm. is my oh, publisher I... on Bound oh, Press. Oh, I love that. Gosh. I saw that you had some connection to her. Delightful. Yeah, yes. oh, yeah so that's yes. who I'm She's... publishing the second book with. She's awesome. Oh, I adore I her. I love that. Actually, her, her podcast is the one that, that's out right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go back and check it out because yeah. by this time this comes out. But yeah, yeah we'll it's it live right notes, now. But yeah. We had so much fun. She's a special, magical oh, she's human. A, she's an awesome human. She is incredible. I'm so happy you spoke to her. Oh um, my gosh. So yeah, my publication date is the 23rd of the 3rd, 23. Oh my gosh. I that's love brilliant. that. That is, brilliant. That's great. I love that. So in the book, who is the book for? What it, what yep. are people in, what juicy things are they, you know, signing up for when they go run and get the book? And I will put those in the show notes where mm -hmm. to find it and all of that. So it's, I do write primarily for women, I have to mm -hmm. say, um, because I know that I am here to speak for women. I was told a long time ago through a channeled message I'm mm. I'm here to speak for my ancestors for the women because they never got to be heard and they never mm -hmm. really got to speak and so I have I have a calling to empower women and um, so I I work with men as well my books aren't exclusively for women right but it's it's written from a female perspective because that's my lived mm -hmm. and breathed experience and it's what sure. my work's been about for two decades um and so it's primarily for women who either feel at a crossroads in life i you know i i i called it the midlife awakening because i had a midlife awakening moment that was a real tangible kind of 
esoteric magical moment that I did actually write about in the first book and I wanted to dive deeper into that I but I do define life as being midlife as being anything from you know 40 up to 60 and maybe beyond or maybe before so it's the kind of middle years where I found a lot of people experience these kind of wake-up calls or turning point moments and Mm -hmm. it can feel as though they get really um, kind of lost and stuck in the messy middle and nothing makes sense and so the second book is really for those people for those women who find themselves in that place where they are floundering or they're questioning everything mm-hmm. or they're not sure that they feel like they fit their life anymore they're not sure right. you know who they are even who who are they especially i haven't had children that wasn't part of my journey and and so it can be for those women as well because we still wake up and go what do we matter when we can't mm. do the thing that women were put right. on this earth for, what do we yeah. matter? What, uh, how do we contribute? What's our mm. purpose? How do we fill our life? But then also I recognize that, you know, a lot of women in midlife, if they've had children earlier, they reach that point where children are independent and then they get to ask right. those questions as well. Who right. am I? What really matters to me? Oh God, like what excites me? Because I don't right. remember even putting me first for the last 20 years. Mm. And so it, it's it's for all those people who just they're in that transition they're in that messy middle they're in the quagmire and going well is this all there is because i don't i don't think i like this or is there more are there things i can do to find a way to be okay with being where i am and trusting that it's all going to change and it's all going to work out to be a a beautiful beautiful process Mm, i love that I've, I, um, Jane Fonda talks about it. She talks about her life in um, chapters. Like there's this first chapter, second chapter, and then she says the final, her third chapter um, in life, and she kind of chunks it in, you know, every 20, 25, 30 years. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure exactly how she defines it, but I think thinking about life in that way is helpful in terms of it almost at least for a visual kid like me, like it gives you permission to write something different. You know, it's almost like, yeah. it's almost like, you know, when school would start in September, it was like mm-hmm. a new start, right? It was like, a new, you got to hit the reset button. And uh, so when you think about life in those chunks, you can do something very meaningful and then do something different that's meaningful and you've got enough yeah. time to, to really embrace it. Yeah, so absolutely. I and I, I, um, I love that you spoke to that because I, I definitely feel like I'm in the third chapter, I'm in that third act, and mm-hmm. the book is probably going to be more for people who are sort of coming to the end of the second act. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, it is, it is. there are books about the heroine's journey, which is a very mm-hmm. different beast to the hero's journey, and there are life stages that we, if we're lucky enough, to, to yeah. live through them we do all go through um and i just think there's just such huge value in shared experience uh, you know it yeah. normalizes things that can feel like they're completely not normal um and i have got like that i i love i love threes so mm-hmm. I, I know that there's a third book coming i already know what the title is i already know i'm publishing <laughs> wow. it with unbound i know exactly what it's about i'm not going to say anything more about that but i like i like triad i like a three Mm -hmm. so the first book had three sections this book has three sections as well Mm. um so the first section i can i can't reveal i'll do a little reveal but the first section is like change is an inside job and it's all about kind of training in trust persisting with patience i do a lot of playing with alliteration facing your Mm -hmm. fear recalibrating Mm -hmm. your responsibility so it's but it's downloaded words, it's channeled words, a lot of it. So there's a lot of poetry in it um, and a bit of personal story stuff as well. And then the second section is um, turning points as portals. So mm, I wow. used to have a podcast called the Turning Point Project uh, yes. podcast. Oh, and I yeah, yes, invited yes. people to share stories of moments that changed their lives that initially they thought were a bit of a disaster. Um, and 
and that's where the what the seed was sown for how how we trust in turning points and can I bring some of that into the book as well so that's kind of that middle section where you've really come out of the mud and you're starting to go oh okay maybe I can poke my head up a little bit and maybe there is some light above the you know the weeds and maybe there's a bit of magic I can rediscover here so so that's kind of the stage where I guess I am bringing people back home to themselves again you know yeah, just yeah. just through this conversation I'm like god actually that's the embodiment piece in a way yeah. um and then the that's third so stage is right right okay well having done this bit the third section is never too late to create and that section is mm-hmm. much more playful mm-hmm. actually so um you know I've, yeah. I'm talking about whimsy and delight and you know all these kind of really delicious evocative yeah playful i didn't know about the adhd when i wrote any of that which is hilarious because this is all the stuff i'm really tuning into you now um but it's also about rituals but in Mm. a really beautiful heart-led soul-led way because rituals are really fundamental to how we shape our lives and Mm -hmm. um that's a big thing i work with people with as well and then i also talk a lot about sovereignty surrendering to sovereignty so Mm. there is a bit of a it is it is for our times as well you know i am talking about uh, the big turning point of the world and yeah. sh- the mm. shift in paradigms kind of that masculine paradigm to more the feminine paradigm um and this my books take three years to write so it's it's a lived breathed experience mm. <laughs> I love that. It takes a long old time but we're there now pretty much I love it. Well, it's a birth. There's a gestation mm. period. It's a. It is a, mm. a, a very divine, feminine process of oh, giving sure. birth to a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I love that. So, that is it possible for people to work with you now? What are you doing? Are yeah. you holding sessions for folks? And can you talk a yeah. little bit about yeah. that? That's a really good question. And I, I'm coming on a podcast and at the current time I've pressed pause on everything. Um, okay. However, I am creating something that I've again envisaged for a really long time um, called the Magical Soul Snug. And um, <laughs> it's bringing together, a, it's, it's gonna be kind of introvert friendly gatherings, uh, mostly mm-hmm. online because I do mm-hmm. have a lot of people um who are in my community who are over in the states and in canada mm-hmm. have a few sure. people in australia a few people across europe as well um i will do some in-person stuff as well um but i think it's going to be a really lovely journey i'm looking at doing um like a nine month container but it's not nobody has to join for nine months so i'm going to do three lots of 90 days um it's going to be like little mini missions, mini adventures. It's going to be quite playful. Um, I love that. The three sections will be based around the three sections in the second book. Um, and I'm bringing in moonology. I'm a tr- I trained in moonology. I live by the moon. I have done mm. for years. Um, I in the first book I wrote about the four M's, and they were. Um, They've changed actually now. They they were meditation, movement, morning pages, mantras. But now I've got moonology, and I don't <laughs> I don't really do quite so many mantras anymore. Um, but it's going to be really a lot uh, aimed a lot at helping people get out of their head into their heart, but also people who really want to create and express in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be lovely. It's going to be seasonal. It's going to be uh, shaped around the moon cycle um bringing together that. that moon energy m- movement as it will be coya because i love coya um mm-hmm. meditation a lot you know journaling practices but just being yeah. in circle being together with like-minded souls and um that's as much as i know right now wow. <laughs> that's exciting well we will love update it. it in the show notes yep, and sure. update it when we go live for you and so everybody will have the details yes and the details of how to get a hold of you um on your website and on instagram and we'll have all that in the show notes 
Yeah, and it's, just, it's so blessed that you um, shared kind of your mm. your journey, your story, um, kind of your revelation. It's beautiful to watch you kind of take it in and come at it in such a mm. bright way that, you know, it's, um, I think for anyone learning something about themselves that may have a stigma around it or may, you know, cause harm or hurt from a social standpoint even yeah. um, to come at it with the way you're with such grace and it's beautiful to, to hear it really is mm -hmm. so thank you for being a, a, a beautiful example of taking mm. in the things that life throws at you and making the very best of it mm. so I love thank it thank you I really received yeah. that thank you yeah mm. beautiful yeah, well, thank you, thank you, Helen. It was lovely to have you today. It was a beautiful conversation, and uh, I know our audience will will love it as much as we did. So, thank you. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I've loved it. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> See you, everyone. Thank you for joining our VIP conversation, and please visit us at our website www.loauncork.com. See you soon.